Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast. I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend and uh, former More to Be contributing writer, Christy Thomas, who is a was a children's pastor who now is writing about nurturing the hope of Christ in the home. She is a mom of three boys, the author of three books for young kids, including Quinn's Promise Book. Christy and her family live in Alberta, Canada, just a few hours east of the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Well, welcome, Christy. I'm so glad that we get to have this time together today. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it was super fun. We got to meet at the Activate Conference in Florida back in 2018, and that was great to actually hear your Canadian accent in person. (laughs) It doesn't quite come through in writing. (laughs) (laughs) I never knew I had an accent until I met people from other places. (laughs) That's so funny. It just comes out in this little, it's just a little certain things that you say, and I'm like, that's (laughs) Canadian, and I love it, so... Uh, hopefully we'll hear it today. So uh, what what led you to actually start writing and um, sharing online and writing children's books? Like, how did that come to be? Well, I was working as a children's ministry director for quite a long time. And I started going to these conferences and they start, they were talking about how to do faith at home. And I thought, well, I'm not here to te- learn faith at home. I'm here to do faith at church. But then I realized the power that parents have to do this at home. And this was before I even became a parent. So it wasn't on my radar at all. So I started learning uh, simple habits and techniques that I could teach our parents. And I started to discover how transformative those little habits were in their lives. And as I had my own kids, what was happening in their lives because of these simple little habits. And so I started writing about it and blogging about it. And actually just last June, it was at a point where I was able to quit my job at the church and come home full time to work from here. That is amazing. So all through blogging and, and building essentially a a mission, what I call missional work, a missional business Mm -hmm. uh, through your website. That's amazing. So what are some of the things that you offer at your website that benefit parents and grandparents and aunties? And if we have any uncles listening, right? Because it's the collaborative family that's raising Mm -hmm. children in many homes. That's true. And I have a lot of people that follow that don't have kids at all that are Sunday school teachers. So there's nothing wrong with Sunday school teachers as well. It was one for a lot of years, but I think that it's parents and church together that creates the best synergy. So I read a lot about like little tips and tricks for Praying with kids, especially praying with squirmy kids. I found that my kids were not really interested in praying. So mm. I had to figure out ways to really engage them and to teach them without being like, sit down, be quiet. It's time to pray. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> because I, I didn't want them to dread, you know, when they grew up, I didn't want them to walk away because they were like, oh, mom always just forced this on us. I want them to know God themselves. So that's really kind of the emphasis of my website is helping kids to know God themselves and finding creative ways to do that and finding creative ways to engage them through really simple little practices like 30 second praying blessings over kids and stuff like that. Things that busy parents can actually do. You know, it's not going to be an hour Bible study every day and that's okay. 
I don't yeah. do that with my own kids. I think that, you know, three to five minutes a day can be enough, especially when your kids are little. So my first book was a self-published book on, um, it's called Wise for Salvation, Meaningful Devotions for Families with Little Ones. It was a really long name. <laughs> but it was basically tiny little active devotions that you could do with your kids every day. Okay. So, and then um, from that, so the, the main character in that ended up being an owl. That was kind of an accident. And then from that, I created the Quinn books. Okay. And the Quinn books so far, the first Quinn book, tell us again the title of that one. That one's called Quinn's Promise Rock. And what is that about? That one is about little Quinn. She's worried that her dad is going to fly away from her. So she's experiencing separation anxiety and her dad kind of, they take this adventure through the forest as he shows her how God is like the rock of a mountain that is big and unmoving and trustworthy. And then they go into a cave in a rainstorm and he says that God is also a refuge. Like it says in the Bible, the Lord is my rock and my refuge. Mm. And then he takes her to the ground and he picks up a little rock and he says, well, God is also like this because you can stick it in your feathers and you can bring them with you. <laughs> oh, wow. Which has been really powerful for kids. I say like, you know, you can't touch God, right? You can't see God, but you can hold this rock and you can let it remind you that God is with you, even though he can't be seen or touched. He's with right. you. So right. I was just at a preschool yesterday and they were like, wow, yes, God, this is God remind, uh, reminding me of God. Every once in a while, they're like, this is God. And I say, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not make an idol of this rock. <laughs> no, no. Right, right. We need to be clear on that one. That's pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> and well, boy, is that not the nature of the human being, though, to turn things into, turn what God gave us for good into uh, idols instead Absolutely. of, uh, instead of embracing who he is and what he has for us. Boy, we can go down that road. So, so before we do that, tell me, um, what is the second book that is the second book is due out, correct? Mm -hmm. It's coming out in August. So it's called Quinn says goodbye. And one evening Quinn and her mom come back to the nest and there's a little firefly that has a broken leg. And so they nurse it back to health and it becomes Quinn's friend, kind of her pet. And then mm -hmm. one day the firefly is gone. Her parents tell her, well, we knew he had to go back to his family sometime. She's really upset. She's never experienced loss before. And so mm -hmm. she flies away and she's looking for a blank. And then her mom comes, puts her arm, her wing over her and just comforts her and says, you know, God doesn't always stop bad things from happening, but mm -hmm. he is with you through it. Mm -hmm. And so Quinn says a little prayer, talks to God. And then the end of the story, they find this entire field full of fireflies and she just goes and dances with them. It's not blank, but it reminds her that God is with them both. Oh, so what led you to write these stories? Maybe, maybe start with this one on loss. What, what's your personal backstory of faith and upbringing and life that kind of opened the doorway to this being the story that God wrote on your heart? Hmm. Well, I had a pretty basic Christian life. I mean, my parents took me to church all the time. I love Jesus. And then when I was 22, I opened the door one night of our home and there were two police officers standing there. Mm. And I thought there's only one reason why police officers come to your door at 11 PM. Mm. And they were like, we're so sorry, but your sister has, was in a car accident. She passed away immediately. And with that, my life just changed in a blink. I was mm. suddenly an only child and uh, 
So there was a lot of grief that came along with that. So in the book here, um, Quinn is dealing with grief and loss on a very small level, but there are children that deal with grief in a huge way. There are children who've lost parents, who've lost siblings. Even when you lose a pet, that can be really traumatic or losing your house if you move, losing your school. We, as humans, we just go through constant periods of, of loss. We're always losing something, whether it's certainty or people or friends, stuff, favorite stuffed animal. There's always right. some loss involved in human life. You're right. So we are, we are always dealing with some kind of loss. And I, I see how in the story, Quinn's story, you're kind of introducing. And what I heard you say was um, that God is still with us, even when good, good things aren't always what's happening. And so when bad things happen, God is still with us. What was it like for you as that 22 year old in the weeks after finding out your sister had passed away, but not, not just in the weeks, but in the year and the years after, how did you navigate that road with your, your peers, your family and God? I really felt, I know I've heard a lot of people say this. They really feel God's presence when something really bad happens and suddenly they're forced to decide, you know, is God for me or is he against me? So for me, when we went to the viewing and I saw my sister's body laying there in the casket, it suddenly hit me. Oh my goodness. Everything I believe is true because I can see that this is just the shell of her. It was so obvious to me that this was not my sister. This was just her outer shell or as Ted Decker calls it, your costume. Mm. This, is, this was just her temporary housing and the real her I was going to see again. And I just had this incredible peace about that. And it was still hard because I would, knew that I wouldn't see her again mm. for a long time, but it was really comforting to me. And then there was this, this person, Isaiah, it talks about God and he says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. And that was a really powerful verse for me during that time because I really felt like God was, he was saying, it's okay. I'm with you. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy, but I am carrying you close to my heart. And in fact, that's a message that has been with me for a long time. There's a verse in Deuteronomy where God talks about Benjamin it's a prophecy over Benjamin and he says the beloved of the Lord rests secure between his shoulders. Mm. So that for me has really been a message for a long time that God is, it's like, like a dad carrying a baby in a snuggly, like mm -hmm. the beloved of the Lord rests secure between his shoulders. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean that it's not going to rain on us. That doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect, but it does mean that we are resting secure in him. Yeah. So yeah. for me, that was, really important for a really long time. Uh, I don't think I really super dealt with the grief of her death for a long, for about 10 years. I kind of mm -hmm. stuffed it for a while yeah. and just kind of moved on with life. But then once I, I looked at it and I embraced it and I also recognized where God was in the process, then um, I came to a much greater place of healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to go through that sort of sudden tragedy. We, we, I can't say we walk through it. Our church has walked through it. 
uh, over the, the past year. And I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times that last summer, uh, a young man in our church was killed in a car accident and he was returning home from visiting a friend for the weekend. And uh, it became personal because um, my daughter was working at the church um, and was in the staff meeting when it was announced. And this was a boy that had been raised in the church. Like this, mm. his family is like integral uh, to our church body. And her, he, he and her at the same age, and he would have been at college with her this coming year. So the friend group, she's friends with all the guys, the guys and the girls in that same friend group. And so it was an interesting um, journey helping her figure out what to do with her emotions because she had such sorrow and grief and shock, but yet it wasn't somebody that she was in direct relationship with, a couple conversations. And so to kind of honor the the peer group that grew up with this boy and understand that their grief was something that she really couldn't understand and and to walk with them in it, but not turn it into her own like not drama, you know, story. <laughs> uh, and I always find this really hard because I too am super compassionate. Like uh, I, I will cry instantly. I will feel the feels to the deepest part of my soul. And, and then yet I have to remember like, no, it's not mine. It's theirs. So how can I take a position? And what the Lord has taught me is to become an intercessor if I feel the feeling so deeply, then pray what they cannot pray. Mm. And, and to, um, and I did, there was a, I guess it was three days after he had died and uh, it's a disaster of a morning. Um, my husband was out of town. I had, my son was at sleepaway camp. Um, and my other two daughters were working and my middle daughter wanted to get in a car and drive to the shore with her friend and her friend would be driving. And I was like, no, <laughs> like <laughs> nobody in any cars right now. Because, exactly. Right. Like we will not, I don't care who you are. We are going to go be Amish and we're going to walk and use horse and buggy like this. That exactly. was basically where I was. And, and Stephen encouraged me, like, we have to let her live. Like we have to let our children this, there's no guarantee. So like what you're saying from this story of like, God is with us. Uh, and, and Stephen was saying, you have to trust God with her life, whether she's mm. here with you or in eternity. And I, I, so we let her go and I was at the kitchen sink. Some of my greatest God moments have been at the kitchen sink, <laughs> which I think is a divine setup to clean dishes, but, but I, I'm at the sink and I'm just my brain is racing over what this family and church had gone through. And I, I realized the, like kind of the guilt as a parent, when you say yes for your children to do things, and then it turns out to not be a, a great outcome. And in this mm -hmm. case, he, you know, he died and I was able to pray for the mom in that moment that the Lord would release her guilt and release her from the burdens uh, that she might have been feeling in that moment and that God would comfort her and carry her. So it's interesting coming back to this passage, uh, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. Without this in front of me, 
this was the what I had been praying for her mm. in that in that moment at my kitchen sink, which is kind of crazy when you think about that. Mm-hmm. It is kind of crazy how grief sort of makes you change the way that you behave as well. Like you were you were grieving in your own way over him, and you were suddenly feeling anxious then about your daughter, right? And that is. I sense a lot of that in my parents, like, oh my goodness, you are not allowed to drive anywhere (laughs) anytime or me now with my kids. uh, I am really paranoid about letting them play in the street. And um, we pray a lot or I pray a lot when we go on trips that nothing is going to happen. And yet I do have, like you were saying, I have to release that to God and remember just what it says in the book here, you know? Yeah. God doesn't always stop bad things from happening, but he is our refuge in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle of living like in the world where we're not guaranteed anything. And yet we're also given the freedom in Christ to live fully knowing that this isn't our forever home. And it's a kind of like, how do we do this? How do we teach our, I always struggle. Like, how do I teach my children wisdom and prudence and, and discernment? And yet, while we're in the land of the living, let's live. Like, mm-hmm. let's, let's experience the fullness of life and adventure and, and uh, just excitement and joy. Because if we're always living in fear of the bad thing happening, we're not, I don't think we're living the full life that God has provided for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's just living in fear and anxiety. And there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about living in fear and how we're not supposed to live in fear. Yeah. Which, uh, so maybe this is a good segue into, so your son, you said your son struggles with anxiety. What has that looked like in, on that journey for you? And maybe you could tell us more about Quinn's first book. Yeah. You know, for a lot of his life, he had a really severe separation anxiety. Like it's pretty normal for little kids to experience separation anxiety. It's actually a really good thing because it means that they've attached to you well, right? So if Mm -hmm. they're sad when they leave you, (laughs) that's healthy. But for him, he was really terrified to go into new situations. And so kindergarten for his first year, he cried every morning and clung every morning and the first day of kindergarten, they literally had to peel him off me. And so I was the mom walking down the hallway crying while my son was screaming from the classroom. Mm. And it really had an impact on him. He had, he was dealing with social anxiety. He wouldn't participate in gym. That was, it was really hard. And then we did switch schools and that helped significantly. But I think the thing that actually helped him the most was that starting in about the middle of his kindergarten year, I started praying Philippians four, six, and seven over him, which is mm-hmm. do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which is greater than anything you can understand. And he will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Mm. And so I pray that over him every single night. And so, and I noticed a few months later, I was thinking, oh, he's gotten a lot better. He hasn't cried before school in a while. And I started tracing things back in my mind and it was from when I started praying this over him every night. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't just praying it over him. Sometimes we talked about it and what it meant to have peace. Mm-hmm. And we would talk about his anxieties and we would make a list of things that we were thankful for, mm-hmm. which I think is really powerful against fighting anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that was really the thing for him that helped so much. And I wouldn't say that he really deals with it much anymore. I think 
for a few years, he was still struggling with it at school, like some perfection anxiety. You know, if it's not right, then we're just going to scream and throw up our hands and Mm -hmm. it's not worth trying anymore. Yeah. Um, And still a lot of social anxiety with like working in groups. And his school even identified that and they had him in a little group for kids that needed to work on their anxious thoughts. Mm -hmm. But it did. It did help a lot. And I can see God working through his life and helping him to become a courageous boy. He's in grade four now. Mm. And he is so much more courageous. Yeah. Did you ever have to take him to counseling or was medication ever something that needed to be considered for him? No, I don't know if maybe we just weren't terribly clued in as parents. In fact, I didn't even realize, you know, for a couple of years, he was going to these counseling sessions at school, like that it was like a small group counseling yeah. session. And it took me a while to figure out, oh, this is about anxiety. Oh, <laughs> like they, okay. they ask you permission to do it. But I was like, oh, you know, he's a little worried sometimes. And that it didn't occur to me that, yeah, actually, he was like specifically being pulled aside because of his anxiety. So I guess I was a little oblivious. But mm, uh, at that point, we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that kept you from worrying. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. Which would keep you regulated, which would enable him to be more regulated. So that could have been the hand of God in that situation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so lots of things changed for him. Which is good. Your, your book, Quinn, I'm forgetting the title of it. Uh, Quinn's Promise Rock is the book that came out telling like about the separation anxiety and, and the anxiety. Am I correct on that one? Mm-hmm. So that's the one where she's afraid of being left from dad. And he doesn't really ever come out and say, you know, I'll always be here, which is what most separation anxiety books will tell you. Well, I, I will always come back. But for me with my story, I know that people don't always come back. Yeah. And so, yes, maybe, maybe we can say that with confidence. Yes, I will always come back. But for me, that was hard to say. Yeah. Um, just because of my story with my sister, because I know that people don't always come back. So I really wanted my kids to know a deeper truth that no matter what happens, God is always there with you. You can rest secure between his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, whether your human people are here or not, you do have someone trustworthy in God. Mm, That's good. That's good, good, good stuff. So your writing continues. The second Quinn book will be out in August of 2019. Mm-hmm. That's correct. I have the first one in my hands. <laughs> you have the first one in your hands. It's beautiful. And so people can find that book where I, Amazon, where else? Yeah. If Lifeway stores still exist in, exist in August, you'll be able to find them there. Any Christian store or online anywhere you buy books, it'll be there. And what would you say the age ranges for the Quinn books? three to seven. I think that's what they say on the back. And I would say that reflects pretty accurately what I'm hearing. I do have people that read it with their older kids as well. And so there are some that love it. Depends on whether your kids love picture books or not. I know. My favorite picture book is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Oh yeah. It's a very good one. (laughs) I, I, I think the twins, we read that until they were probably like nine or 10. Mm -hmm. And that one has the same sort of story. It's all about God's never stopping, never giving up, always in forever love. Right? I know. And I think we probably should just read that like over and over again as adults, mm-hmm. because I think sometimes that our understanding of scripture and God's purposes and provisions in our lives get bogged down when we mm. too deeply and 
And I love the way you kind of describe it that simply, like he will carry us, right? And so just having that visual of we're between his shoulder blades or, you know, on his chest between his, both his left shoulder and his right shoulder, like, can there be any closer place that mm. we can be with God? And uh, I had Jennifer Dukes Lee on the podcast, uh, I think it was season two, and we were talking about John, the beloved of Christ. Mm. And he, how he referred to himself as, I am the one whom Jesus loves. I am the beloved. And when she described to him sitting next to Jesus at the Passover supper, uh, the scriptures in, indicate that he was like leaning on Jesus. And you, you have to imagine that if you're that close to Jesus and leaning that close into him, you know, you're in his love circle. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> you don't get that close to somebody unless there, there's a level of emotional uh, intimacy with that person. Like you wouldn't get in a friend's face that close if you just met them at a, yeah. a women's tea at church. But after weekend when you're all like, you know, crammed on the, the bed watching something on, on the TV, like then there's a different level of companionship and, and closeness. And so what would you say to the parents or maybe even just to the women listening? Let's, let's look at this in two parts. What would you say to the women who are listening who are struggling with feeling like God is not close to them? Hmm. That is hard because often we don't feel God is close to us. And it's hard to feel in our busy lives too, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like the times when I've felt closest to God or when I've been alone for a period of time or really deep in grief, but there's a technique used my church has something called healing prayer and there's something that they do and they, they just ask you to think about a time in your life that was, that you remember really well. So it might be a time of great loss or it might be a time of great joy. And then you just ask Jesus, where were you during that time? And being able to recognize where he was during that time will help you recognize where he is right now. Yes. That's interesting that you should say that because I know that prayer style as theophosic prayer. Hmm. I've never heard that. What? Yeah. that You can get trained in theophosic prayer or at one point in time you could get trained. Uh, my uh, counseling, my healing uh, about 15 years ago or so, the counselor used theophosic prayer. So in the middle of a counseling session, we'd unearth something that was deeply painful or guilt, you know, it's, I felt guilty over or shame and then go to the Lord and say, Jesus, where were you? Mm. And what do you have to say to me now? And so that's become a, a spiritual discipline of mine of where were you and what do you have to say to me now? And sometimes I forget one part of the other, like, I, I did this yesterday morning. I, there's uh, something that happened to me back in September that I have recognized in the last week. I am carrying a lot, a lot of hurt around. And, um, you know, I thought my head knows what to do with it, but my heart hasn't known what to do with it. And, and you know, it's around the idea of rejection and shame and not being good enough. Hmm. Uh, and so... 
uh, yesterday morning, I'm like, all right, Lord, we're going to, we're going to have this out, <laughs> Go work this out. And I didn't have any appointments and I was able to just, I call it linger long, like just, there's no rush. There's no gotta go, gotta be, gotta do. And, and I just opened my Bible and asked the Lord to show me what to read and, and grab my journal. And I, I started saying, Lord, here's where I'm stuck. This is where this hurt is. What do you have to say to me about this? and close my eyes and quiet my spirit and just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me, please. Mm-hmm. And, and the Lord did. I mean, I had pages filled in my journal of him speaking to me about that situation and about my identity and about, you know, calling me to release it to him and say, I, I give this to you and I ask for your justice to be done and for you to write a new new message over the shame message that's been sown into Mm. my heart and mind. And and he did, and he went back to familiar passages from Colossians three of being chosen, holy and dearly loved. Uh, And, you know, I sat there with it and I thought, how is this going to stick though? Like, you know, you have a quiet time and then you get up and you walk away and eight (laughs) things happen to you and you don't even remember what happened that morning. And so I, I messaged a couple of friends and I, I shared with them what God had given me and, and a passage. He brought me to a particular passage in Jeremiah. Let's see if I could find it in the Bible. Um, and in the, in the context of that passage, he, he rewrote the shame message mm. of a calling. Uh, and so he said, um, This is Jeremiah 15, verse 19. And the Lord's responding specifically to Jeremiah about Judah's inevitable doom is the the subtitle on this chapter. And the Lord writes, if you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. Mm. And I was like, woo that all those words continually (laughs) connect with where this shame message has the power to speak hurtful words to me rather than good words uh, makes me feel like I don't want to stir serve makes me feel like I'm being influenced by these words rather than having an influence over them and so I realized to tie this all together I realized that I was not feeling um, a closeness to God because this hurt mm. was something I blamed him for. Oh. Right. And, and whenever we have loss, like whether it's in the situation like your sister or disappointment or a rejection or anything that's a shame message, I think the enemy's uh, tactics are to put a wedge between us and God using that situation and and giving us a vision that we only see God as the one who's responsible Mm -hmm. rather than what you're saying through your story and what God was saying to me yesterday of I'm I'm not you're blaming the wrong person I'm walking with you in this Mm -hmm. this this, what you've experienced is a byproduct of living on a fallen earth where sin is pervasive, whether it's in the form of a human being who has sinned against you or 
living on the side of a fall where there was an accident that nobody had any human control over. Uh, and so my, my answer to the question of how can you feel closer to God if he feels far away, I think com the combination of what you said and what I'm saying is go to him mm -hmm. and ask him what he has to say to you. Absolutely. And he is good and he answers, maybe not in the way that we expect, mm -hmm. right? but he will answer for sure for yeah. listening. And I think if we spend time in the word and we search the word for the answer, he, he will mm. give it to us. And then if we're not sure that it fits, that's where the body of Christ comes in. And we can say, this is what I feel like I hear God saying to me. Is it consistent with what you think would come out of the mouth of God? Mm -hmm. And then kind of confirm it that way. Yeah. I had this so, one powerful experience once that happened to me where I was praying. I was reading the Bible. I was at this prayer retreat and I just spent some time, I thought, I'm just going to sing and worship God. And I was singing this song, um, I'm desperate for you. I'm longing for you. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and while I was singing, somebody started singing with me. And it was a man's voice. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. And also the most powerful. I looked around and I was mm. like, who's in this room singing with me? This is, why are you invading here? And there was nobody else there. And as I spoke about it with some people later and kind of confirmed this, that this was Jesus singing with me. And he was saying, I'm desperate for you. And this is why I came to show you how much I love you. Yes. That's what so was it for me. It was definitely spending that time with God, right? Intentionally doing that, which is hard to do in our daily lives, but really important if you really want to feel close to God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I liken it to this, that like do the daily of what you can, and then look for the opportunities to linger long and, mm -hmm. and take it. Like yesterday morning, this morning didn't look anything like yesterday morning. I had five minutes with God this morning. <laughs> yeah. now, right? So there's an inconsistency, but over our lifetime, is there a constant pursuit? Hmm. That's a really beautiful way to think about it. Right. I'm going to remember that. Good. Good. Yeah. I, I'm reminding myself right now, you know, the, the, the lifetime, the lifetime constant pursuit. So um, is there any final closing thought you want to leave with our listeners as it pertains to motherhood, especially and coming alongside children who are trying to figure out their faith? Well, let me just look up. I had this one verse here. Psalm 91, four. Mm. Just grab it. So this is the imagery in that I use in my book as this owls. And when Quinn is really sad because she's lost her friend, her mother comes and chases after her in the forest. And for a while, Quinn doesn't even know that she's right behind her. And then she realizes, Oh, mom is there. And then the mom puts her ring over her shoulders, which is a very actual biblical imagery from Psalm 91 verse four, which says he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And I think that that is what we do as parents. We enact this for our children. We cover them with our feathers. Like we are like a mama bird. And we remind them that, you know, we may be doing this physically, but God is doing this spiritually. He covers us with his feathers. Under his wings, we can find refuge. Mm. We just have to stay under there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love it in the both and of this is what God is doing for us. And this is the opportunity of what we have to do with our kids. Hmm. And you, know, I go back to this again and again. The best thing that we can do for our kids is stand under God's shelter and protection mm-hmm. and have our hearts and our minds and our bodies yielded to the Lord. Because when he is flowing through us, then our kids are getting what they need from us. Absolutely. Right. And so I've even, um, in this past week, there are a lot of things that God, I feel like is taking me to a deeper level of understanding in my faith. And one of the other things that struck me yesterday was that I have been praying for the last 15 years. God, thank you for this day. Please show me your work that I may join you in it. Hmm. And I, I had this moment with him of like, I have more for you than just my work. What about sitting in my love and oh, yeah. walking, um, walking in step with my spirit and, and settling into my rest and flowing, having my grace flow through you and my mercy bathed you. And I'm like, oh yeah, like he's got so much more for us than just the work. Uh, and so joining him in that, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. There's a really great verse in first John chapter three. And it says, how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that word lavish, it makes me think of icing. Like when you lavish icing on a cake, you're not chintzy with it. Throw it on and it's pouring off the edges and kids go, wow. That is the love that God has lavished on us. Yes. That is beautiful. I love that word lavish. I've been playing around with it in different parts of my writing from that particular passage. Yeah. Like it's not, he's not chintzy. We, he's extravagant and he, he gives us so much more than just a one sided dimension. So I think my, my challenge would be this for our listeners. If they are feeling like God is far from them, uh, if they are feeling like they don't have enough to give to their children in terms of faith, I would say, what is a aspect of God's character and of his gifts that he gives us that you need to become more acquainted with and can you pursue God for that? So whereas I've been kind of hung up on the work and, and being called and equipped piece unknowingly. Um, and if anybody's been listening for the last few years, they know that I've been moving into a fullness of understanding being his beloved and, and God's love. But what are some of the other things that God has for us that we just need to receive and let him lavishly bathe us in and flow out of us. And I would suggest going there. Yeah. There's a lot of gifts of the spirit that are fruits of the spirit that we can be leaning into and learning about him. Yeah, completely. So Christy, would you just remind everybody where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm one stop shop at christythomaswriter.com. You can find my books there and my writing that helps parents. I also have some encouragement articles that are kind of more general, just faith stuff. And awesome. yeah, you can connect with me through all my socials through there as well. So yeah. what's your favorite social place to hang out? I really like Facebook. I know a lot of people are going Instagram these days, but I really like to read. Okay. So you like the Facebook. That's cool. Give me um, the articles. <laughs> give you the articles. And would you feel comfortable closing us in prayer today? Absolutely. Okay. God, we thank you that your love that you've lavished on us is so great and that we get to be called children of God. And that because of this, we can be confident and unashamed before you because we're not just 
tools to be used for your service, but we are children to be dearly loved. And I pray that anyone who's listening today that is not sense that, that you would show them that they are able to rest secure between your shoulders, that you carry them like a lamb, that you are protective and loving. And even when the world is harsh, that we can turn toward you and curl up in your lap. And may this just become a real thing for us as we bask in your love. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Great. Well, thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you everyone for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.